Welcome to Genius Leadership Podcast, where we discuss how to overcome everything as a leader. I'm your host, Anna Liebel, a mind shifter, helping male leaders in tech get out of the firefighting mode, become the proactive leaders they want to be, and enjoy the ride as they go. Join me every week for honest, insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders. We discuss their roller coaster ride of leading from their zone of genius and when they don't. If you find this show valuable, please subscribe and share it so that more of us can live a healthier and happier life. Now, let's get into the episode. Genius leaders, warmest welcome, or should I say coldest welcome to this episode with a guest of mine, Jason Donnelly. Jason is an author and senior advertising professional in Denmark, where he moved last year from Brooklyn, New York. His newest book, a memoir called Cold Feet, has hit Amazon just a couple of days before this episode is released on August 20th. So please go follow the links in the show notes and grab your copy if you enjoy this conversation with Jason and feel like this book will be helpful for you. The book is following Jason's journey on on losing around 60 pounds and working through a grief-filled transition into his 40s. And how he threw himself into the ice-cold water every day since February the 2nd this year to make that all happen. Think about it. For over 200 days, Jason hasn't missed any single day to throw herself in the cold water. And I want you to listen to this topic or this interview because of this example of Jason. How we can all work through the tough periods in our lives by making some decisions and following that, following through. This is the example for me of the definition or the difference between the easy and simple. It's simple to take that decision. It's not easy to follow through, but Jason gives you a fantastic piece of advice here in this conversation on how you can follow through on the decisions that will help you get out of the funk, process the grief or the tough situations that you are facing, which we inevitably all do. Hello, humans. So I do want you to dive into this conversation, cold dive into this conversation about role models, about workout snacking, about the changes that you can make in your life and how you can experiment with finding your way towards health and well-being. You know that I'm talking about that so many times on the show, that there is no right or wrong way. There is yours and not yours. So go with that mindset into this conversation as well. Figure out what is yours. Take from this conversation what sparks some interest. Not necessarily that you love the idea that it's like, yeah, I'm going to jump in the cold water. But if it sparks an interest, if it gets you a little bit more curious, then it might be a hint towards your way. So without further ado, let's invite Jason into this conversation. Enjoy it and see you on the other side. Jason, warmest welcome, or coldest welcome, maybe should be for this time, <laughs> to the Genius Leadership Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so cool to have you. So Genius Leaders, we it's the first time we talk with Jason real time, but we have been in the community, which I will actually drop the link to in, um, in the show notes as well, to the uh, Cold Water Club started by James that I've been following for ages. I don't know about you, Jason, uh, on LinkedIn. And I really love what he's doing. So it was really cool yeah. to get to know you from there. My daughter is a big fan of your videos. <laughs> Always like, can I see that guy? <laughs> so I'm really pumped now to get you here and dive deeper into your story and share it with my audience. Let's start with that moment that you actually opened the book with about taking or getting your picture taken for the driver's license in, uh, in Denmark. Tell us that story. All right. So I think a lot of people who are going through like midlife crises or just midlife, whatever you want to call it, don't realize it's happening. They have this kind of uh, crazy denial that anything's happening, that we're getting older, that that just uh, body parts are just not working anymore. (laughs) And I was at the DMV. I just, I call it the DMV because I think most people know it as that, but I was at the Hiru Kalmun to switch out my uh, New York license for a Danish license. And as soon as I got in front of this, this camera, the, uh, the guy took the picture, it shot up on the screen, and I didn't recognize the guy that I saw. 
it was like, I don't know, just everything. My face looked wrong and my I looked puffy and just uncomfortable. Like I'd just been on a bender, but I hadn't drank for months on end. I don't know. And uh, he said, do you want to take another picture? And I was like, yeah, let's try another one. Even though I wasn't smiling, like it wasn't me. And took another one and I looked at it and I was like, huh, I guess that's just what I look like now. And it was the the first realization that, oh, I'm not taking care of myself. And I mean, it was, it was the whole way down the body, but the head was just that first, like, wow, I, I need to do something different. And, uh, yeah, it's weird where, where, uh, things like that happen out of nowhere. Like I, I just, I kept pushing things to the side and denying that I needed to do anything or work on myself or anything. And just a simple picture was like the wake up call, I guess that I needed to, uh, to make some changes. It's quite often like that, like this tiny thing that otherwise people would be like, why did that actually play any role in your story? But that is that wake up call that you needed, right? And and was enough for you. Yeah. So Jason, I would yeah. like to actually, before we go into the what happened after that moment, I want to roll back uh, this sure. denial that you're talking about. Like what, what were the symptoms? What were the signals that you were ignoring? What were, well, like who was Jason the last couple of years before that uh, taking a shot? I guess a lot of the time, it's just you, as you get older, as you age, like, you know, things hurt, your body hurts, you can't do things as well as you used to. But like, I just kept gaining weight and putting weight on and feeling uncomfortable and waking up in pain and not being able to do the things that I want. I have a two and a half year old son and I wasn't being able to like, just be the dad that I wanted to be. And just a lot of things like that you just... I don't even know if the words deny, but it's just pushed to the side and just figure you'll get to it later. Like you have life, you have work, you have your job, you have your, your, everything that you have to take care of. And you're like, I'll work on that later. But yeah, it, it just kept coming, but I never really, I don't want to say interacted with it, but I never really accepted it and saw it as a thing that I could actually take care of right now until that picture. And when you say like you were, uh, weren't able to be the father for your kid uh, that you would like to be? Uh, was it like lack of energy, lack of attention, presence? What, what was it? Or is it the physical pain that you're like, okay, I can't really go down to play with you properly because it hurts in my knees? Or what was going on? Yes, all of that. I think a lot of the time, the, the big issue isn't necessarily like the weight or like the pain. It's the fact that you're not present completely in a lot of switch situations. And that's raising your kid, that's work, that's your partner, your relationships. You're not, I don't feel like I, I'll just speak for myself. I don't feel like I was as present as I should have been in a lot of situations because I was thinking about, gee, my back hurts. Gee, my knees hurt. Wow. I'm just uncomfortable in my body. And I think that that's the thing, just distraction from everything, from life by your own feelings (laughs) just inadequacy and just the feelings that I was feeling. So in inadequacy, was it based on the physical symptoms as well? Or was there something emotional or mental going on? And was it also the related to the physical symptoms? Or was it something separate or some kind of story you were telling yourself? uh, Yeah. Well, I think that's exactly it. I think on both sides, they tell each other the same thing. So if your physical pain, your uncomfort, tells your brain that you need to focus on this. And then your brain says, well, you're too busy focused on this to focus on that. And then you just kind of excuse yourself. I think that's one of the big things that I'm just going to keep trying to focus on me instead of everyone. I think that's the thing that I kept doing. I kept excusing myself and saying, it's okay. You're allowed to feel that way. You're allowed to be upset and stressed and uncomfortable and this and that and the other thing. And just giving myself an out for everything that I was going through. And uh, I think that's a big thing that I've, I've learned over the past six months of just really taking responsibility for what I'm doing, who I am, who I'm becoming again, and uh, saying that like you can choose happiness. <laughs> you can choose to kind of focus on the here and now instead of the just living in, in your mind, in your sadness, in your stress, in your, in your whatever. I think it, there is a very important note to make here what you said like you you were just sitting there and letting yourself feel like oh yeah it's okay to feel low and so on and so forth 
And you mentioned it as a negative thing because you allowed it to drive your, your life or yeah. define who you are. I think it's very important to emphasize that it's okay or like it's possible to allow yourself to go through all those emotions and feel those feelings. And actually, it's important to give your, yourself space to go through that because yes. that's the only way out is through. But yes. to not stay in that wave. So like I usually say about the surfing, if, if the wave comes that is too big for you, you usually duck dive through it okay. under and like to get on the other side, because if you just stay on the surface, it will just tumble you and you don't know where the feet and, and, and the head are and so on. But if you dive through, you get out. And what you talk, what we're talking about here is like you dive through, but you actually stay in the water forever. That is not healthy. You die. Yeah. Right. So that's yeah. the thing. Like you need to allow yourself to go there into that discomfort of diving into that big wave, but then you need to actually act and get out on the other side. And that's also what you're talking about here with the happiness is a choice. That's something I repeat a lot and people annoyed, are annoyed by that, but that's, that's true. <laughs> I think a lot of people get really uh, offended when you say that, because I, I think there's two sides of it. I completely understand the, completely understand the, the inner workings of the brain and how it's not a choice to have depression. It's like, I totally understand that. And I talk about it actually in the book. So when I say that, I say it in the, the much lighter form of it. A lot of us just stay and live and circle in that sadness of whatever it is and forget to live. And I think that, I know we'll talk more about the ice bathing as we move forward, but I think that's another thing that at the beginning of ice bathing, I used it as a shock to kind of, to stop everything, to kind of whatever I was going through, the pain that I was seeing, the stress that I was having, the cold bathing really froze everything as, as simple as it is. It made things so cold that you can't think about anything else. You can't think about sadness. You can't think about something at work. You can't think about anything because it's just too cold to do that. But after you get out and after you get through that few minutes of just clean and clarity, you have to hit the stuff head on. So yes, I agree with everything you're saying. And uh, it's not just pushing it to the side. It's, it's dealing with it in the time that you need. So let's transition to the uh, ice bath thing, Jason. Why that? Out of all things you could have done <laughs> after that, taking picture and seeing it and like, uh, this is not who I want to be. Let's jump in the cold water. That's not the most kind of straightforward thinking in my head. <laughs> so tell us about that. And it's funny because I, I don't know if it's a, a thing, but I, I know that redheads, I used to be much more red, but anyway, red, redheads are uh, much more uh, feeling to coldness, like heat and cold. We have some kind of thing. Look it up at some point. I don't know the science, but I know that it's a thing. And cold has always really bothered me. Like being in a shower and if the door's open, I feel the draft and hate being in the shower. And for some reason, my feed on social just kept getting hit with all these cold bathers and i'm watching these guys and i'm like that is insanity like there's no way that i would ever do this like there's this one guy a viking guy who jumps off like mountains and stuff with this viking music and dives into frozen lakes and stuff and i'm like that, that's that he's out of his mind like there's no way that i could ever do anything like that and then after like the 50th one i was like I want to try that. I want to try to see what that does. And like, I'm reading all this positive stuff about cold bathing, about everything from brown fat to the 2.5 times dopamine release, which is basically cocaine, but lasts longer. And I was like, yeah, I mean, let's, let's try it and see what happens. And on February 2nd, I did and haven't missed a day since February 2nd. So it's craziness. I just want to applaud you here for really sticking to it. Now, today was 169, right? Day 169 when we were recording uh, this. I have this the video. Hold on. I think that so. That was in the video this morning in the community that you dropped. Yeah, 169. Yeah, I have yeah. a <laughs> I have a thing yeah. that tells me, so I know every day. <laughs> mm -hmm. Cool. So being working, right? Having a small kid, having a family, uh, being an expert as well, to make <laughs> space in your day and to not create excuses, I just really want to emphasize that genius leaders, that it's possible. I'm pretty sure it's not easy. I, I know that Jason is struggling sometimes and like procrastinating on getting into the cold <laughs> tub. 
by shooting some video, telling something and so on to his followers and whatnot. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll go. So I just want to emphasize how amazing that is, the determination that you have. And I really want to give you a kudos for that. It's, Thank you. It's not easy. I know it <laughs> from myself. All right. So you're trying. Tell us about the first experience of exposing yourself to that cult. I, I mean, I have never felt anything like that before or since. The first one, I think for everybody who's ever done like a polar bear plunge or any of these things, like you get it, you understand. Like there's nothing that compares to that feeling. Cause like so many of us, I bring this comparison up all the time, but like getting in a cold pool, like at the end of May or beginning of June, cold pool is like 60 degrees, 70 degrees. It's hard to get in a cold pool. But when I was getting in, especially the first few times, I think it was four degrees and Celsius. And the shock that it sends through your body and the, the hyperventilation that you go through when you don't know what to expect is insanity. It was the craziest feeling that I've ever felt. And yeah, I still, after watching, like I watched the video of my first two times yesterday because I'm putting some stuff together for the book, just making some edits and I wanted to like get some quotes. It's insane. Once, once you do it that first time and you feel that craziness and pain, I don't know how I kept doing it, let alone three times, four times, let alone 169 times. But here we are. Today, it was three, three degrees this morning. So it's like, it's not a big deal anymore. It's just still really hard. Yeah. I, I guess that's something that we, we should emphasize that it's not getting really much easier. At least no, and that's, yeah, that's the funniest part. I think that everybody says that they're like, it gets, it's got to be, it's got to be easier to do it now that you've done it so many times. And it's not easier. It's just, it's two things. It's part of my day. So I know it's coming. I know that that pain is there. It's just like a workout. It's just a different kind of workout. So I know that that's coming. And I think the mental fortitude, the mental strength that you have for being able to say to your body who does not want to get in that water at all, that you're just like, go do it. Because when you get out, the best part of cold bathing, getting out, is you'll feel great. And you do get the dopamine and you do, it makes your day better every time. And I know that it just sucks getting in every time. And I know that. It was, um, my husband told me about some biker or biking kind of pro athlete that uh, does all those crazy races that he said, it doesn't, it doesn't get easier. It just gets quicker. I think he said, Mm -hmm. so with with biking, so it's the same here. It's not about quicker. It doesn't get easier for me, but knowing that blissful moment, actually for me, I think the best part for me is actually when I manage to stabilize my breathing while still in the water. That is the moment when I'm like, fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I managed now. (laughs) So this is the moment for me. And then of course, getting down, getting out of that or like switching the shower off. This moment of like accomplishment feeling is amazing. But I think for me, the, the real highlight is still in the water when I'm like, I'm in control of my body right now and my mind. Because I'm breathing, I'm focusing on that. And it's just, wow, how much can yeah. we do with our body if we can do this <laughs> willingly? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that win, like you were saying, that win every every day, that, I think everything, I, I have this massive checklist over here. I don't know if I can, of stuff that I'm working on, on the book, <laughs> my cold feet checklist. And uh, I think I couldn't do anything that I'm doing on this Everything that I've written about in the book, I couldn't have done it without cold bathing as that first month of doing it every day. Like It's the thing that gave me the first win every day. It sparked my motivation. It sparked my mental fortitude. It sparked everything to take the next steps that I needed to get where I'm going. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, why book? When did you decide why book? to... Yeah. Why didn't you decide to share the whole story and how was the process of deciding what will go in there because it is a mix of different things right you not only yeah. how to it's also a personal story you also included 13 other cold bathers bathers there with their story so share why why this book and how did it yeah. to this format i've written a bunch of books i went to school for for writing i have an maed in education an ma and an mfa in creative writing so i've always been a writer I have a few fiction books out, an author interview book, uh, a few just silly books that I've put together. And on February 14th of this year, 
like 12 days into cold bathing, I was sitting in my second cold container thing, uh, an IBC, a thousand liter uh, plastic container that I set up in the backyard, which was on a lot of the videos for a while. I was sitting in that and I was like, I should put this together. I should start writing what I'm doing. And like, you see throughout the book, I have dates and stuff of like stuff that I was excited about or stuff that I did that I was like, Ooh, this is, this is a game changer that I did throughout the journey. But I've always been a writer and I thought that this is something that everybody in some aspect goes through like that midlife, like, Oh, I'm getting older. Things aren't working as well as they used to. The fact that I got in some ice cold water to deal with it, I thought was interesting. I don't know how many ice bathing books out there. There's probably four good ones, uh, including like Wim Hof. So like, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to write that. And on the journey up until now, I've met so many cool, cool ice bathers um, <laughs> with just cool journeys and like the stuff that they've been through just have been incredible. So I wanted them to be a part of this and, and kind of be on the journey with me. And uh, 13, actually, the 13th one is coming later today to have all 13 ready to rock after an edit for a few of them. Yeah, they'll be in and, and yeah, we'll get to share it out with the world next month. Or I guess whenever you guys see this, this month. Yeah. So we released this, uh, we recorded in mid-July, but uh, I released the episode just when uh, the book has been released. So you can directly go and grab your copy and enjoy it. And it's going to uh, be on Audible too. So I'm excited about that right away. You can sit in your cold water and yeah. listen to Jason. <laughs> I should have timed them out so you could just get in for each uh, each section and be like, listen to this every day of your cold bath. Well, you can just do the timer like, okay, five minutes and just there is a sound behind your <laughs> recording <Yeah>. every <laughs> five minutes. There's so many things I want to ask. So just difficult to go which part. Uh, I'll actually um, ask this. The book is based on the seven stages of grief. Plus you kind of stretch why? it out. To, yeah. Why? I guess multiple things, which you'll read in the book. I moved to Denmark actually a year ago after finding out that my mother-in-law uh, had cancer and we wanted my son to hang out with her. I have a picture of her at my desk all the time. She is the greatest lady, the biggest smile in the world. We wanted him to hang out with her as much as humanly possible before. So yeah, we came here and I'm really sad thinking about it came here to to spend as much time as possible with her. So I don't even know where this story was going because I kind of got sad about it. I guess this, this is the person who was very, very important to you. If you moved the whole family from the US across the yeah. ocean to spend time, what does, it, what does it mean for you as a human to, to do these kind of huge things for, for the people who are around you, who, who you care about? I mean... I think it's just what you do. I mean, I know that how amazing she is. That for a little bit, we we went back and forth. I was working remotely out of Chicago. So we'd come to Denmark, work for like 80, 88 days. We could be here 90 days in a row before having to go back. So we'd go back and forth. And I mean, everything, just being with her, knowing that we wanted Jameson to spend as much time as we could get with her and knowing that I mean, there's so much going on in the States these days that we felt like Denmark would be a, a safer, better place to, to raise him in. It was a group decision. It wasn't just a, I did something for the family. It was us deciding this would be the best option. And yeah, and, and we did what we, we wanted to do to make it happen. So the choice of grief is because of the loss of your, one of the human, favorite human beings on the, on the planet. Yeah. And I mean, when, when you look at the, the journey, like there's, there's like shock, denial, pain, the, the seven steps. I kind of made it out to 10 and added some, some bonus stuff. But I think a lot of it kind of goes together. So there's the shock of the ice water, water the denial of having a midlife crisis, the, the sadness, the pain, the bargaining, the, the everything that goes with losing somebody you love. And then I think that the biggest thing over the past six months, I've, I've lost over 60 pounds. I can do stuff that I haven't done in a decade. Like 
a few days ago, I just get a quick brag while we're in the middle of this. A few days ago, you know how we, I get in the ice water so I can get that, that first morning win every morning to really like go about my day. And I was on this other podcast on Monday and Tuesday, I woke up and said, I want to do something crazy to get that like even more of a win. And I went for a run and wanted to beat my fastest time in literally the past decade by a lot. And I ran and ran and ran. And the, the where I'm going with this is the book's also about reconstruction. And I think that when you're going through all these things, when you're going through midlife crisis, when you're going through sadness, loss, depression, whatever the thing is that you're going through, like there's always the other side where you're going to be rebuilding, transforming, regenerating, and growing as a human and like building the life that you want to get into. And I think that's what I'm seeing. I think that's the, the cool thing about the seven stages of grief is after the, the grief, I guess the grief will always be there. But after the, the initial stages, you start rebuilding this thing that you don't even recognize. And I think that's, that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm rebuilding and, and changing the person I am from that person that I don't recognize uh, just a few months ago. So you beat your record. Well, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I beat my 5K by six minutes, which, oh. yeah, as if you're a runner or know anything about running, taking six minutes off of 5K is like, it takes time to do that because 5Ks aren't that long to begin with. Taking six minutes off because I decided to one morning is, I mean, that right there shows the mental, or the mental strength that you get from this kind of thing. And I said, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And then I, Went and did it because mm. that's what I do now. Because why not? So, oh. just to be clear, like you, you, you lost a lot of weight. Um, you, you are physically uh, stronger right now, and as you said, you, you're doing things that you couldn't be doing for last decade, Jason. Was the ice bathing the only cho- change you made? Just so that we we're clear on God what's no. been going on in this half and half a year. So tell us that. God no. God no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's another funny thing. I. I won't say who, but someone recently asked me, they're like, but just ice bathing and everything that does everything. You lose the weight and all that. And I was like, no, I've taken a lot of steps. This is all in the book in the reconstruction chapter. And it does everything from what I'm eating to workouts to everything. I reset everything that I was. For the first month, I started doing cold bathing and getting that win every morning and getting the ability to know that I could do hard stuff. The thing that I tell my son, you can do hard things. And I did that every morning. For month two, I did OMAD, uh, one meal a day. So I fasted for 23 hours a day for an entire month and had one hour of eating. So I think one of the other things with all these weight loss diets and and self-help and fixing and all this stuff is they just say, dive in and just start doing the thing. And this is what you eat now. And you can't have that. And you have to eat this and you blah, blah, blah. With mine, the way that I kind of got into it was I got strength here before doing any of the other stuff. So ice bathing gave me the strength. OMAD gave me the reset on my food because I wasn't just eating because I was sad or eating because I was stressed or just eating because I had it available. I kind of just reset all that. And then Starting with month three is when I really started putting in the work, started putting in the working out and Mm. eating just better. Like it was no longer just eating stuff to eat it. It was eating stuff to help me. So more protein, less carbs. My snacks were protein chips. My snacks were beef jerky with no flavor, like just healthy stuff, just better than the, the stuff I was eating, protein bars, that kind of stuff. And then I, I talked about this on another chat about kind of workout snacking. This is a big thing. And I I put this in the book that I hope this changes somebody's life who hears this. I think it's the smartest thing that I've done. It's not something I came up with, but it's something I've done throughout this. And everybody stresses about like trying to figure out when they're going to get an hour or two hours to do their workout and their stuff. And you said earlier, like everybody's busy and has their kids and their work and their life and their blah, blah, blah. I put a pull up bar in my doorway of my office, like I work from home. And every time I go in my office or out of my office, I do one pull-up. That's nothing. That's not a big deal. Anybody, like 
once you can do a pull-up. When I first started, I could hardly do a pull-up. But when you do that and you just you see yourself being able to fire out a pull-up when you couldn't do it, and then a week, two weeks later, you're firing two pull-ups, and a week later you're doing three pull-ups, and you just see everything start changing. And then at your desk, you get your kettlebell and you start playing with that every once in a while. And then you get your your roller and your uh, parallel bars, and you just snack a little bit on little workouts instead of like taking your day and like doing, I have to do three hours and seven hours of intense cardio to make this work. No, just take little, little bites, little snacks of workouts so that you can not only move forward, but like you can quickly see how fast all that adds up. So that's a big thing that I've seen. So it wasn't just cold bathing. I think cold bathing was the precipice of everything else, but I think everything else is where you really start to see the changes. And one more thing, at I think the end of June, I was having like a, uh, a plateau of like my weight stuff. So I started doing 48 hour fasts. And so I've done that uh, and I'm doing that every, every other week. I'm doing a 48 hour fast. So twice a month. So I stop eating Sunday night and then have Tuesday dinner. And it's also done a lot for just clarity, especially when I'm finishing the edits and everything on the book and, and making additions and, and all that kind of thing to really just focus on what's going on instead of what I need to eat or what I need to, to plan out. It's, it's just focusing on my head. So another thing that's working for me. How do you adjust your days those Monday, Tuesday with the schedule or with the things you do to accommodate for different level of energy because yeah you, you don't have the food or do you just go with the with the day as it is uh, as the- i go with the day as is okay. <laughs> i think i think everybody knows dr huberman dr andrew huberman wonderful man <laughs> everybody talks about anyway he was on this one show and said something like if you really want to lose weight it's obviously the calorie deficit but wake up in the morning and then either run or bike like somebody's chasing you with a syringe of poison. And I've taken that to heart and I've, I've done, I've do rowing and then run and then ice bathe and then eventually get to eat. But no matter what, even during my fasting, that's what I do. I like, I don't know. I, I feel like I don't have that much of a loss of energy during my fasting. I think the first Monday, like, if I stop eating on Sunday, Monday's the toughest because you don't get that win at the end of the day. And you're just like, it's going to be a long day of not eating, but you just drink a lot of very dark coffee and keep yourself full on water and keep pushing through. Yeah, I was going because I have been doing some things like that very long time ago with a longer fasting periods. And I just remember that I didn't have energy, but it was like one off occasion of 14 yeah. hours. So it's not like I prepared or like I got into the habit of doing that uh, so I just remember that I was lying on the <laughs> sofa and feeling sorry for myself <laughs> that's why I asked but I, I do intermittent fasting for almost three years now and I, nice. I start eating at noon and I finish before seven usually uh, 7 p.m that's, awesome. that's my eating window and I started doing it not for the weight loss because I've heard about intermittent fasting in that context and it was not attractive to me but then one person I follow uh, I'm following said that she's been doing it and got a lot of energy. You mm-hmm. know, I, I was in Iceland. It was the first November that I was in Iceland. So I moved in December the year before. And I was like, okay, it's going to be a long winter. I know that I need all the things that can help me to have some energy. So I'm willing to yeah. try. And it took me a while to find my window that would work for my lifestyle. Because first I thought of having breakfast, lunch, and then skipping the dinner. But that meant that I didn't have any social interaction around the meal with yeah. my family. Because breakfast is quick, lunch is everyone, everyone is at their place, school, work, whatever. Uh, so, and I gradually realized that I don't need to eat in the morning. And I, that came from a person who used to be this one person, like, don't touch me, don't talk to me, don't look at me before I have eaten in the morning. Like, I wake up hungry and suddenly I'm here and go in half of my day without any food and I actually love it. And yeah. I'm really good about it. So yeah, it's it's really about trying those things and not taking one thing as a truth, but just because Jason said it or Anna said it and just like, okay, I have to go that way. 
uh, see what resonates with you, see how that how your yes. body and your mind reacts to it to actually figure out what will work for you. Because that's the only way to keep it as a sustainable habit that will serve you long-term, that you'll stick to long-term. Preach. <laughs> yeah, no, I, no, I completely agree. I think the, the one thing that a lot of people, like especially in weight loss or, or any of that kind of thing, is a lot of people dive in and then they can't sustain it because they either have a loss or don't meet a goal or whatever the thing is. Take those little bites that let you continue it. Make it a lifestyle, not just a month of something. So totally. Agreed. So you said about the month, right? You, the first month, it was just about getting into the bathing. Then the second month, it was about this one meal per day. Is that a theme that you, every new month, you actually add something to, to the process? Or how does it work for you? How do you build up this whole package? So here's this thing. I think that in a lot of cases, like I am adding a little thing here and there. And after holding these up, like I added some kettlebell stuff. I added, added some dips and push-ups and pull-ups and like running and rowing. Every little thing is adding to it. The thing that's scary, and I'll say that it's usually around week four, is once you get into this kind of thing, or at least for me, I don't know if this would be for everybody, but I can't wait for the book to come out and people to, to try it and see if it does the same thing. The thing that's scary for me is around month four, I started seeing some like stretching stuff. As you get older, four, your hips four. and your... Yeah, month four. Month four, okay. Mm-hmm. Around month four of doing all this stuff, I started seeing some stuff online for stretching, like for knees and hips and stuff like that. As you get older, this stuff hurts. And I was like, okay, do I want to start doing these stretches? Because instead of thinking like, am I going to continue them? I had the stress and scare of, if I start this, I will not stop it. How many things am I going to add to my plate? And like, that's a real scare thing for me. Like, am I going to, am I going to row every morning? Am I going to run every morning? Am I going to ice bathe every morning? Am I going to do my pull-ups, my sit-ups, my, my dips, my, my kettlebell? Like the scary part of getting more and more into this is, am I going to do too much because I won't stop until ever? So yes, I've added a bunch of things as I, I mean, the further you get and the more the more weight you lose, I mean, especially for me, the more you can and the more you want to do stuff. So I'm at that stage that I have the, the strength and the, the, uh, the physique to be able to do more stuff. So yes, I've been adding, but I'm also very wary of adding too much because like you said, if it's not sustainable, if you keep failing, if you start failing, you might not come back. And I don't want to ever be that guy in a DMV picture ever again. I just want to roll back to what you said about the world, uh, workout snacking. I love this idea and, and the words. Uh, first, I thought it would be talking about some kind of snacks around the workout. So like, what about <laughs> two foods? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this is, there is a lot of science behind it, how just doing some small bursts of some exercises to get mm. our muscles function are actually so positive for our well-being, our health, our weight, uh, metabolism, what not. And I think this is a big problem with the workout culture these days that I usually challenge my clients on. When they're sitting way too much in the meetings, you know, I work with leaders, owners of companies, and they're just like, they're uh, putting out fires, whatnot, in the beginning of a relationship, working way too much. And then they just go to the gym and they, you know, like work hard, play hard kind of a attitude towards it so they're taking all their body that is like out of alignment that is like fully asleep (laughs) not capable of anything and they just put lots of weight lots of strain on it or they go for a very long run in this misaligned body no wonder they get hurt so what you're doing with the workout snacking is you're actually keeping your body in tone and awake and functioning throughout the day so that whenever you get to that time of the workout it's much healthier. It's much like the, the risk of hurting yourself of injuries mm-hmm. is so much lower because your body's prepared for that. It's like if you just drop like fall out of bed in the morning, still sleepy, and you start doing some crazy shit physically or mentally, you're not prepared for it. But if you really get yourself to wake up, like you do with a cold batting, for example, and some other things, then you're ready for it. You can do yeah. it in a with a better quality. So I really want to emphasize this idea 
And just as Jason showed, like first it was a uh, pull-up bar, right? And then with some other things. And find your way, genius leaders. It's really about, again, practicing or experimenting. And yes, what I want to emphasize with what uh, Jason said with being careful to add things, I'd rather you add things and then take them away if they don't work with the attitude of experimenting. Yeah. So it's not about I fail because I, I, I just don't do push-ups every day on the way to, uh, to the kitchen or something like this. It's more about, okay, that way doesn't work for me. Can I find some other way? And whatever changes we're doing in the habits, I usually suggest my clients to think about it as an experiment because yeah. that takes away the seriousness of like, I'm a failure if I haven't managed. I've experimented. This way didn't work. Let's look at some other yeah. way to to make it a part of my routine, a part of my life that actually is benefiting me instead of creating more stress, more feeling of um, not enoughness and stuff like that. So 100%. I just really and want to go ahead. No, I, I just, I completely agree. And when you read the book, when anybody reads the book, there are so many times throughout it that I say, and please listen to me. I did it this way. Please do it your own way. Like, even, even the part when I start talking about cold bathing and how that's the thing that did it for me, the hard thing that I do every day that gives me the win, I recommend that. I think everybody should try it. I think everybody should do it. I think it's incredible. But if it doesn't work for you, if a sauna would work better, if getting up and walking around your block every day would be your big win, then do the thing that makes you keep doing it. Whatever the thing is that you keep doing and moving forward, experiment, try a lot of things. Try the things I say. Try the things Anna says. Try the things that anybody says and then find your own path. Like You don't have to do it the same way I do it. You don't have to do it the same way that anybody does it. But this is the way that worked for me. And if it works for you, then I love that and I hope it does. (laughs) Yeah, I'm into that. Jason, I want to ask you about the role models. Like You said that you you have seen those people on your uh, social media feed all cold bathing and then some point you went into it i have my personal story with the cold is actually thanks to james because i knew about the benefits of the cold exposure for years and usually it was shaded for me with tony robbins who is like i'm like i'm jumping into that 72 degree water every morning i don't want to do it but i do it and like my mind doesn't want but i don't want to negotiate with my mind i am the master my mind follows and i was listening to that and like whenever i would be showering I'd be like, Tony Robbins doesn't need to shake with his mind. And I'm like, keeping my hand on that mixer to kind of lower the temperature. And I'm like, fuck it, I'm not Tony Robbins. So, you know, a person who is amazing in many, on many accounts, but he's just too far for me. So I couldn't relate to him to get that push to turn that water temperature down. And then when James started doing that around Christmas last year, I was like, I can relate to James much more. Like he's yeah. talking about his struggles on a way that I so relate to. And it was him who kind of pushed me over without knowing it (laughs) with his posts in early January to start experimenting with that and turning the temperature down. So how was, how is your relationship with role models? Do you have a formula in a way, like quote unquote, with who you relate to or who helps you and maybe who might be motivating, but not really inspiring you for action? Yeah. uh, Well, two things. Uh, James is one of the people in the book. So just an FYI, he's one of the 13 being a part of this. Very exciting. And two, I, you're going to hear this. If you get into the ice bathing, not you specifically, Anna, but any of the listeners that get into ice bathing, you're going to hear about Wim Hof a lot. He wasn't my guy, but a lot of the, the cold bathers that are, who are talking about in the book uh, bring him up. He's just the crazy Dutchman called the Iceman who uh, does all these, has done world records and Wim Hof breathing and all this stuff. I think that he's awesome, but there's so many people. I, I really like the way that you told it about people you can relate to. And that is the thing that really gets me excited. Seeing people who either have a bunch of tattoos like me, which I see a lot of ice bathers, or people working in marketing, or just people who kind of do the same kind of stuff as me, talk about silly stuff, have fun, and still do this crazy thing every day. I just really like that that there's this tight-knit, oddly close community of people who have never met. And if you look out there across any of the social medias from YouTube to TikTok, you can find cold bathers all over the world doing the same thing in different languages. And 
you can find them everywhere. And I think once, once I started putting out all these videos, you find that they're in your neighborhood. They're down the street. The people who are struggling with the same stuff you're struggling with, the people who are going through the same hard everyday battles, they're all around. You just have to find them. And uh, I think that's the reason that we actually have social media, not uh, all the bullshit it's used for, but finding those connections that you can, you can reach out to any of them and uh, say, hey, I'm having a tough day. And they're there for you. It's insane. And I've had those conversations with a lot of my cold bathing brethren from around the world, just saying it was a tough one or them saying it was a tough one and uh, being there for each other. So the, the, the role model is much more of camaraderie and friendship of uh, you have somebody who not only goes through the, the struggles and stuff that you're, you're well aware of or comfortable or know of, but they also jump in the ice water just like you. Yeah, and genius leaders. I, I'm pretty sure that Jason will, could be the this relatable role model to many of you. So go get the book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not paid for to say that. I just really love what Jason is doing, and he's this uh, ray of sunshine in this uh, community that we were having and dropping this video that make me smile and, and motivate me for the day and for the next cold jump or shower. Jason, I love that. Are there any effects? Or consequences of the whole, all the changes that you've made, not only ice bathing, that are surprising to you that you did not expect, and not those kind of like duh afterwards. You're like smart afterwards, and like of course, but <laughs> that you would never think about that would actually just maybe strike you, or I don't know, bring you sense of awe. All these changes, what yeah, anything like that? Yeah, no, and I, I think it's two things. One, for genius leadership, this is a big one. I never, how do I say this? I never thought that doing this cold bathing thing would be a mental thing. I don't think it would change me mentally. I don't think, I didn't think that, especially after doing it for months, it would change, I don't know, just the way that I went after things. I think that, thank you so much for saying this, like the the light, the the happiness that my videos bring you. I think that Cold bathing really jump-started my old personality to come back and my more outgoing personality and just straight up happier personality, not only from the dopamine relief, but like those wins, I can't tell you how much that changes you because I, I wrote about this in the book, but like if you wake up every morning and your biggest win is gone to work, if your biggest win is picking a better meal instead of having something crappy, like that's not a win. But if you wake up every single morning and have a win that no one that you interact with has had, the smile and like the energy and the power that comes from that changes you as a human to the people who you meet, who you come across, who you talk to. Like you're a different person because of that win. And I think for leadership, for, for anybody listening to this, consider it, try it for a month just to see what it does. And if you're already a genius leader, where will this take you? Like, it's insanity. And the other thing, I don't know if this answers the question in the same way, but a surprise is surprise. I keep doing quotes. I got to stop that. Another big thing I saw is in month one, I didn't really see any change. I saw the numbers changing on my weight because I weighed myself every day and month two and month three. But the further you get, you just get comfortable with the person you see in the mirror. But then you look back at the first pictures or the, the, first, the first picture that you take at the DMV that you're like, holy shit, who is that guy? And you compare it to the person you are today. And it is shocking. You don't even recognize like how you could be that person. I won't say who because I don't want them to feel like this is a negative. It's not. But somebody I showed the video to and they said, Jason, it looks like you're in a fat suit because this is who they see and this is who they know. And that picture is a different person. So it's, it's crazy how quick it changes, but how much it changes that you don't see on a daily. So always consider that when, when you're making these changes throughout your life, that it doesn't come immediately. But when you actually reflect back and look at who you were, wow, <laughs> it's a different person. I really appreciate that you emphasize that, Jason, as well, because... This is something I see with my clients with mind shifting that 
they become a different, like a much better version of themselves. But it's a gradual process. Yeah, like you you track the numbers with the weight, for example. It's easier to see mm-hmm. that difference. But with mindset, with our attitude towards life, with those decisions, it's difficult to track them. And this moment of reflection is so damn precious because when I say to them, like, hey, do you pay attention how you just really like told me about this situation, the crisis situation at work and how you handled it? And if you think about what happened three months ago or one year ago, when we had similar situation that you like totally lost your shit in it, like, do you see how different you are of a human being? And they're like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> and that's the thing. Yeah. You need to create that space for yourself in your life to reflect on who you've been and how far you've come because it's not natural. You will not notice it just because you look in the mirror. <laughs> Because you, you see yourself multiple times per day and those changes are not seen between those several times, like several hours between two, two different looks into the mirror. So create the space for yourself, genius leaders, to reflect back and think about all the amazing things you've done already, everything that you have accomplished. And it's not to sit down on the sofa and relax and just like never have an ambition again, but it's to keep motivating yourself. Because as you see with Jason, he's talking about all those things he's adding because he's creating this reflection time for himself to understand this journey, to be aware of the progress he's making. And that gives him energy to continue moving. So Jason, thanks so much for this point. I think it's it's a very, very important one on the personal development journey, whether it's mentally or physically or emotionally. Agreed. Yeah. So, Jason, I really hope that Genius Leaders will grab your copy and um, and enjoy it and let you know. Start following you on the social media that I also drop in the show notes. And maybe join our community of cold bothers um, on the WhatsApp to yeah, make yeah. this journey easier because the camaraderie there is something that really helps in the tougher days. So, thank you, Jason. And to you, Genius Leaders, I just want to remind you that if you need to hear that, I see you. I feel you. I love you. And I know that you can be the better version of yourself. And maybe, just maybe, cold bathing is one of those things that can help you get there (laughs) in the nearest future. So go give it a try and let us know how it went. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Genius Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button. Please rate, review, and share to help more people discover the show and become the better leaders. For more conversations about living in your zone of genius, connect with me on LinkedIn. Genius Leadership is an honors conversation about leading yourself and others. And it is my honor to be a guide in overcoming everything.